Hello, uh, fellow songwriters, uh, and welcome to the 14th episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I am your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to my very good friend Justin McKinney of the Zenith Passage about how he writes songs. Once again, I <laughs> twice in a row, I got somebody who is taller and better looking than me. I just have hair. That's what is it with... You pretty motherfuckers! I need I need a new policy of like, like uggos only. I'll just like drink. I should have drank heavily before coming over, and then just never slept. Yes, and then I would have been very um, shot. Unfortunately, you're fresh as a daisy, <laughs> and here we are. So, uh, welcome. Hello, welcome. I'm excited to have you on. Do I look at you, or where do I? You're look? You're gonna look at me. Oh, this is awkward. That you think that's awkward. <laughs> Well, otherwise, it's more awkward for the for that you know. Or should we should we look home, this way? Then we're, then we're looking in opposite look, directions. Um, do, don't look me in don't the eye. Ever you, look at me? Didn't you talk? Didn't my assistant give you the rundown? Do, <laughs> you don't look him in don't the eye. Don't look him in the eye. Okay. No sudden movements. Who was it like Prince or something? Who was like, don't ever look him in the eye? Or something. Never look him in the eye. Yeah. Everyone in chat, do not look at me in the eye, please. Don't look him in the eye. Don't, don't do just do not look at us. You've been thinking about it. Don't look at us. Just don't 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 do it. <laughs> do you like how I also like made it so you, you I look taller than you for some reason? I didn't mean to do that. That was unintentional. You're, oh, that's <laughs> no you, no. Don't You're making it worse. Anyway, once my second in-person guest. Very excited. Yeah, this is great. Um, say hello to the chat. Hello, chat. Hello, chat. Welcome to the club. We mostly ignore them, but that's oh, because okay. it, um, don't ever it's, talk it's not out of hate or <laughs> the, because we don't love them, just because uh, otherwise we'd never we'd never go home. We'd be here all day. Oh yeah, it's true. So don't talk to us. Don't don't look at <laughs> that's, us. Right, that's number two. Don't look. Don't talk. Um, <laughs> just be in the moment. You're a fly on the wall. And bow. Yes, bow. <laughs> bow. You should never be higher than me. Um, so anyway, we're here today to talk about how you write songs um, for your band, The uh, Zenith Passage, what I uh, affectionately call The Penis Sausage. Yes, for The Penis Passage. The Penis Passage. Um, I don't actually write the songs. Oh, you don't? Okay, great. Anyway, all thanks right. all for coming. <laughs> so this <has> been... <laughs> can you imagine this, this, this dream? I can imagine, and uh, I, I bet it would be... Uh, people would be like, great, that was the best episode. <laughs> so you've dropped two new singles over the last few months. Yeah. So, so similarly named that I have a hard time <laughs> exactly which one's which. Algorithmic uh, Salvation, which is our debut with the uh, new lineup with Derek Ridquist, a.k.a. Demon Carcass, uh, and then Brandon Giffen. Probably might know them from the Faceless, from Planetary Duality era, and then Brandon and Bean and Cynic. Definitely... Stepping the game up with them. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 I, New stuff sounds awesome. Thanks. And is like not a not a huge departure from what you've done in the past. No, but, not really. But still um a step forward in a lot of ways. A yeah. lot of um kind of new I mean it, it just sounds like um basically the same general idea, but just a lot of like little improvements, a lot of cool little things. Yeah. Production, um, I think, is the biggest one. Yes. <laughs> I've liked the production on your stuff in the past, but I did always feel like I wanted it to match the level of crazy that you've yeah. got going on. It's really hard to do in the style of music that yeah. you're playing, you know? Yeah, it's really hard to, to have it clear and concise. That's why you don't use any gain. 
That's, Zero gain. Yeah, everyone hates that that I don't use gain, but I clean. Mean, it's just clean it's just guitar. Di, and then that's it, man. <laughs> like, it's literally everyone asks, like, how do you get your tone? I mean, I just I just use my Di signal. It's not a joke. The, what, <laughs> you just did. What's the, what else do you need? That's all you need. Like, it's like it's basically like funk guitar. You know how they record a funk guitar? Like, yeah, basically just. The old funk records was just like straight into the board. Oh yeah, like yeah, guitar dude. into the board. That's it. That's all you need. Two on a strat. That's really all we did. Yeah, production is a, like a big thing. Um, and then uh, to go further on the gain thing, like our our newest single, Synaptic Deprivation, which is yeah, pretty much the same title as Algorithmic Salvation. <laughs> it's a slam poetry. This is what we're doing. <laughs> Algorithmic salvation, <laughs> synaptic <laughs> deprivation, but it's spelled with an A. Yes. Yes, with an A. Depravity. People thought we misspelled the name. I great. In- <laughs> immediately did, and then I was like, but what if they didn't? And I looked it up, because I was like, oh no, it's depravity, but it isn't, oh, it's dep- depravation, deprivation, yeah. Being also of. a word. Yeah, exactly. I don't Genius. write the lyrics. I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, am I allowed to cuss? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. People always ask me that. I don't know. Are we on like NBC? I don't know. Like we're not on NBC. Okay. We're on CBS. Not PBS. Oh, definitely not that. <laughs> um, none of those. We're on no network. We're on the zero network. Oh, I've heard that one. Fucking nothingness. Um, <laughs> the, the, the network, network of, of not who's gonna let you, but who's gonna stop you. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Disney, dude. They'll stop you. This is not sponsored by Disney. But I want to be where the people are. Mm. Ask them questions and get... That's from The Little Mermaid, and I just revealed a lot about myself. Oh, but wow. here we're here. We're talking about <laughs> you and how you go about it. So you've got these two new singles. There's really only one question on this podcast, and then all the other questions are pretty much follow-up questions. The mm. big question is, what is your songwriting process normally, and was it any different for, for this new stuff um, and if so, how? It's different because um, I live upstairs now, right? So I get a bag of, or a box of tools, and you take the, the box and then you put it on top of the staircase. You make sure that you have a microphone. Uh, you record everything that happens. You dump the box of tools, and it makes this noise falling down the stairs, and that's how I write it. That's how you write it. So yeah. it's basically... Noise, yeah. It's, it's just, a just clanky noise. What, it's like what's his name? The twentieth century. It's like John Cage. John, <laughs> John Cage esque. People think that there's a lot, but really he's. It's just trolling. It's just it's literally just noise. <laughs> it's like that idling motorcycle, like bleed. You know, <laughs> dude. Every time I a motorcycle pulls up next to me and you hear that little. Uh, every single time I'm like, is this where metal came from? Dude, it has to be. Like, how can you not be inspired by that? It's so cool. But yeah, like to go on that, like, yeah, actually machine, like repetitive machine noise is actually kind of, I think, a reason why uh, this this new stuff is so mechanical. I'm like trying to dive into that. So I think machines have been playing like a, a role in it, especially because where I work, there's like machines that make like repetitive noise. So, mm. so I think that might have subconsciously played a role in it. And then I think I noticed that once and then I'm like, oh, well, maybe I should pay attention to this. Um, but yeah, the reason I think mainly why it's different than other stuff is because I'm not really writing in Guitar Pro. Oh. Yeah, so like Guitar Pro, I, if I'm sure you know, you can get carried away in Guitar Pro very much. Um, so like another thing in, I did in the past too was like 
writing in Guitar Pro, and also just continuing a riff forever to the point where I just like, okay, well, I don't really know what to, to go, so I guess I'll listen to the song now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, the biggest thing now, instead of writing uh, 100% in Guitar Pro, I mean, I jump back to Guitar Pro to reference, but uh, I write in my DAW now, so like just writing to a click track mainly, and then machines and tools and staircases. Uh, that plays a massive role in what you hear in Algorithmic Salvation. I think that's uh, the most mechanical song I think we've done so far. And but then, it's got the catchiest fucking riff in all of Tech Death. Like, you think so? Dude, it's like... Um, idling motorcycle. But it's, it, it's super fucking catchy. That's not something you often think of in, in, with Tech Death. It's almost intentionally anti-commercial in most yeah. ways or and you know like but it's it's super memorable there's something about the the rhythm and the the whole thing that just like sticks in your head of course right now on the spot i'm i'm totally blanking on what it sounds like but yeah. i remember being like oh shit it's just like noise just remember the sound of noise <laughs> white noise uh yeah um dance music dance music 210 man it's a great dance uh bpm i'm sorry 420 that's 420. The, yeah. If you, yeah, if you double, double. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 210 is a great is a great dance uh, BPM. So I I think for the for this album, it's, everything is kind of within that realm. Uh, same thing with Synaptic. It's 180. Um, I think you just get a little more groove out of those tempos. I don't know. Like it's just like I I try to think of like how quirky and bouncy can you make the song like, and like by doing that, you can come up with memorable catchy things in that in that way so it's like how can you make an earworm like if you listen to like spheres of madness it's like i think the catchiest song ever um and it's like how do we recreate that pretty much every time is what what the whole premise of the album is without trying to rip off you know decapitated so you're um you are intentionally going for trying to create catchy memorable stuff yeah because i think uh it just kind of fell into that, um, I guess, that catchy uh, riff-oriented thing on our last record, Solipsist, where like Deus Deceptor was, I think, for the most part, the favorite with people. And I've, I've had the most fun writing that one. Um, so instead of just like, you know, like writing like all these these insane riffs, like one after the other, just want we just try to like, you know, refine how it comes down and make something that's actually like, people can hum out but it's like you can't just hum out like a tech death song you know what i mean like it's like you know hum out like an archfire song i mean it's kind of hard to do so it's like how do you make it to where it's like extreme metal but also like memorable you know so like even like necrophages did that well with uh you know with stillborn and everything so I don't know, just trying to, to reach in those kind of territories. Decapitated does it really great. Um, even Surruption, you know, they do that really great. So just, like, bangers, dude. You can dance, too. And you had to get inside those Surruption songs. I did, yeah. Because you filled in for <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, I filled in for them. Was... On, the, on the, like, most fucking cursed tour. Exactly. <laughs> dude, like, it, was, it went from you, like, filling in to you, it being basically you, yeah. the drummer and the vocal, like, yeah, for, was... like, Bass player dropped off for some reason, had to go he, home or something. I don't know if I... Whatever, he's on the band. He lost his passport. <laughs> uh, it was such that a bummer. He lost, he lost his passport like when they were in Sweden, like the day before. And like to get a new one, it was just like... Yeah. 
didn't Takes make forever. any sense. Um, but yeah, it was weird too because like the year prior we were headlining, and I was like, oh, "Summer Slaughter is not bad," you know. I don't know why people talk shit and blah blah blah. I'm actually having a great time, other than you know, the obvious. But um, uh, then opening the next year, I'm like, "Wow, this tour sucks. <laughs> like this is not fun." Like especially because we were like. It was a pretty big package that year too, and it was like we were rotating slots with Entheos, so it was like either you're like opening the show or you're second, and it's it was like freaking a this is hard, and like especially because I had to like run their whole in ear setup, and I had to like uh, run all the um, tracks, and we had to put bass on tracks and everything. It was just like a lot to do, and I had to do it like all in a month, which was like, oh, losing my mind, dude. You know, stuff like that. Um character it's character building which is like something your dad would say but at the same time it's like it pushes you to uh like really get inside something very quickly it's a good exercise you know yeah. learn, learn something and just get it fucking done because you have to yeah so that's i have a tendency to sit around and like just kind of like noodle on stuff and like oh maybe i'll learn a little something learn like like fucking 10 seconds of a song yeah. and be like cool i did something like no, it's like you have to learn this thing. You have to learn it now, and you got to get it done because otherwise, this whole thing's not. Yeah, happening. it's not gonna happen. <laughs> All that to say that I'm I'm interested to know like when you're in there doing like going for that when you're thinking about writing something that's catchy or maybe not thinking about it like in the forefront of your brain, but mm -hmm. you're you're writing something like you come up with a little something like that, a snippet, an idea, a riff. Where do you go from there? How do you build it out into a, into a whole song generally? I think that's like my biggest problem that I'm still trying to figure out is um, I think a lot of people get hung up on like, oh, I got this sick riff and I spent all this time on this riff and now what do I do? And then you spend like three years and you're like, still can't <laughs> figure it out, man. Like what's happening? Um, but now to go back to what we were talking about, like deadlines, uh, I think I'm starting to figure out now that deadlines are a good motivator. Um because it's like I've noticed when you have a deadline and you have like um, you know you're you're rushing your cre all your creative juices and your stress are forcing you to to complete something to make this deadline otherwise you know like all the consequences that happen if you don't do it so I think that's like a great motivator um, so I'm I'm learning how to use deadlines as a proper motivator because I do take my time obviously it's been five years this week uh, Slips wow. just came out so yeah it's been a long time since we put out an album so I understand that you know I take a long time writing this shit and I'm trying to like figure out how to uh, be better at that but writing a riff like sometimes it just spills out of your head right like it can happen it just spills out of your head and then you're like okay now what do I do and then it's like okay I usually try to do this thing is is follow the thread. Like you write something and then like you just keep following the thread and then like see where it takes you and then you keep following, tugging, 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 tugging. And usually it could be linear, you know, it could be silical. Um, like song structures probably don't even make sense half the time, you know. I mean, that's like a lot of Zenith Pass stuff is, is like the structure is just everywhere. It's just like one long riff. Um, and I think that works sometimes, but I think now that I've gotten older, it's like, okay, I need like some sort of structure and format. And I think algorithmic kind of has proven that it's there's some structure to our stuff. I think it's the most mature song. But what do you do after you make that riff? And that's like, it's just trial and error, man. It's honestly like... <laughs> well, what? how about this? What did you do after you made that riff on this one? Well, funny enough, like I wrote the main riff. I wrote that in 2017. And then the the verse after that. And then I had so... I didn't know what to do after that. I got caught up and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, what do I do? Do I 
Like, how do I, I just kept writing the riff. I kept following the thread and it just like kept taking me nowhere. I'm like, okay, this is clearly not working. So I took like a two year break on the song and (laughs) (laughs) I focused on other things in life. I kind of took a break from, from became a monk. I became a monk. I went, you know, to (laughs) Nepal, (laughs) did a lot of DMT and it, it just came to me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I took a long break from just writing, and I think that helped me grow up, at least death model music, you know? So it helped me grow up. I, I was kind of experiencing um, other kinds of music. You said to your music, you were like, listen, we're going to see other people. <laughs> we're going to see other people. Just, we need to take a break. But no, I think in, in doing that, it's grown my... He just, this is Batman. He just put his Batman thing on. <laughs> Trey has everything in here, like, automated to his voice. He's like, what, Jarvis? Like your Jarvis system from Iron yeah. Man? Yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah. He has like turrets everywhere, so do not come here. <laughs> that, well, if you look me in the eye. You yeah, know don't. <laughs> turrets engage. Just don't look at Trey in the eye. So that I think that helped me grow as a musician is just taking a break and discovering other kinds of music. Um, I was like really getting into jazz and stuff. So I think that helped. Um, but yeah, I think for the for Algorithmic Salvation, it was more like of a silical song structure. So I, I, I actually just made a very mature decision and like, you know what, I'm going to cut this riff that I'm absolutely in love with, which is a a really hard thing to do. I had a riff in there that I was just like, dude, this riff is the best riff I've ever written and it just did not work in the grand scheme of things. So I made a very adult decision and decided not to use that in the song, which I'm still bummed about, but it'll make it... It just means it's another song. It it could be another song, yeah, but I just don't... I have a hard time, like, I'll write, like, this is another problem. Like, I write so many riffs... That it's probably worth albums worth, but I just never end up using them. I'm like, okay, well, this doesn't really work. I'm just going to move on. Um, I've rediscovered like so many rests. I'm like, wow, why did I never use that? It's cool. Like, but that's why I was like, bummed. Like, man, I'm never going to be able to use this riff probably. Um, but yeah, adult decision. Like, throwing out a riff you're absolutely in love with is a very hard thing to do. Um, and I did that. And then, like, I think the the end goal was actually a kind of you know, sh- shown through because people seem to like it. I think it's a more digestible song for a death metal song. Um, so I don't know, maybe it worked. And then our, our newest single, Synaptic Deprivation, is like kind of like following the thread. It's It has some repeating motifs for the most part of the song. But yeah, it, it is it is more of a follow the thread kind of song. And I think I've discovered following like a certain motif now within a song and you can just have multiple variations of it. That way you can keep people engaged and like have something to recognize at least. Um, I think that plays a, a pretty big role in like how I start writing songs now. So, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. Also, I have no idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> That's what the title of, yeah, the, of yeah. the video says. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Just don't listen to me. Um, uh, so, you know what, though? Some of the people who do it best have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, if you obviously do, even though you maybe don't, because <laughs> like, you're, you know, you're doing it and it's, it's getting done. Um, so from just like a purely mechanical standpoint, as you're going, if you come up with a riff, like you're saying, like a, something that's just, you're just like, oh, that's awesome. Do you generally start building it out vertically like will you write a bass line and some drums to go along with it as you're going or do you move more horizontally and write some more guitar stuff mm. I've, I've gone down both paths i think like with writing in a daw like i think you're forced not forced but you're more you're you're like influenced to write all parts as you go it's mm-hmm. like a like a snowball effect like it keeps getting builder bigger and bigger as it you know yeah. rolls down the hill and i think i think in in writing drums like I think writing drums with your guitar part is very important. Like, I think if you just continue writing 
guitar and you don't have any reference in terms of like actual like like rhythmic you know meter with drums it, it kind of can you can you might get yourself in a situation you're like oh well that this this riff doesn't work now because of the drums like it didn't I, I don't know what to do now and then you just take a break from the song for four years and then you know, <laughs> let's take a quick break yeah <laughs> um but yeah I, I write drums all the time with my riffs now and now that i'm writing in a daw same thing i did with guitar pro but I've also gotten to a point with some of the songs on this on this record that is to be announced um, that I um, I wrote a lot of the songs as just like in Guitar Pro or in the DAW without drums just because like I just need to hurry and get this figured out and those were the songs I actually wrote the fastest which is interesting like I didn't take the time to write the drums or figure out like any rhythmic real rhythmic elements um, so I just kept like writing the guitar writing the guitar and I would get it done in a week which is kind of crazy. Like another song I've been writing with our new guitar player, uh, Chris, he's the new guy. We'd bounced some riffs back and forth for like just on Friday and the song's like pretty much done, which is crazy. Like and it, there's like, there's like, you know, very small like drum influence in that. So it's, it's going to be interesting when you actually have to, you know, do the song for real and like write drums to it and everything. But Well, do you ever uh, like make a bare bones skeleton and just hand it off to the drummer and some i mean sometimes yeah like i've been like i always usually just take initiative and then just write the drums and then the drummer usually figures it out but now like i'm like really trying to get matt to uh just write drum parts because with uh with synaptic deprivation like the the drums are actually just completely programmed on that song like he didn't he didn't really track the drums mainly because of time and then um, a lot of other random logistics but um we actually made a joke about it too because it's like in I don't know if you've seen the video, but yeah. like he he's pressing spacebar on his laptop and then in the back there is superior, superior drummer. Yeah, I saw that. And like some of it <laughs> kinda went over silly. people it went over people's heads, but there's a reason why we did that is because it's it's programmed. Um and Matt Matt's like a very prideful and like very skilled drummer and he he's like, dude, um, you can't play this. Like I don't have a third arm. <laughs> And I'm like, fuck, well, the master's turned in, so what do we do? <laughs> um, so he's like, you know what, like, I'm not going to try to, like, mime playing this because he's like, it's like I'm not going to, like, be one of those people who fake it. Yeah. So he's just like, I'll just, like, have fun with it. And then, like, I'm like, yeah, you should just press spacebar. And, like, you know, there's, like, the joke, too. He has all those arms. Yeah. And it's like, this is how many arms I'll need to play these parts because there's so many different things going on. Um, and I'm like, a, I'm a guitar player, you know, so it's like, uh, you know, like guitar players do guitar player things when they write drums, and it's like drummers get it, and they're like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" <laughs> well, that's I I have experienced this to in every version of it to every degree. I've done everything from being like, "No, dude, don't be a little bitch, just fucking do yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. To now, I'm like, I'm like, okay, you just you, I'm gonna give you basically like the backbeat like where the snare is supposed to sit yeah. and you, you just do the, you out, just dude. do the rest cuz yeah. like there are i mean i'm like reasonably good at programming drums and i play the drums a little bit mm -hmm. so that helps a lot because then i sort of avoid the octopus thing yeah yeah but no matter what i figured out like no matter what a real drummer is going to come up with something that is cooler yeah totally um Sometimes drummers really like the things that I program and they'll integrate it, mm -hmm. like certain little things. But like, yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a it's a problem, and especially these days when 
everybody has access to really great really easy to do software and that kind of stuff like i don't know that i necessarily would have guessed that it was programmed but i at this point the way that it seems like the way that it works is people um when you're programming it you're trying to make it sound as realistic as possible and when you record them for real you're trying to make them as clean and beautiful as possible yeah and here's there's the gap dude. so there's sometimes you get a little bit of this and a little bit of that yeah. some people are really really good at making program drums sound so realistic that you can't tell the difference and some people um process the drums so much yeah, and so tightly yeah. to the point where you go like oh that's programmed is it programmed i don't yeah. know so there's a lot of crossover and especially with like metal and super techie stuff where you have to like you have to be able to hear every fucking blast beat mm -hmm. you know a lot of stuff is processed within an inch of its life so oh, totally, yeah i wasn't specifically like really paying close attention to that but i mean it went over it, your head you you wouldn't have known otherwise I know. right i wouldn't see, know. And i got you man i got you you got me bro yeah uh, see that's the cool thing it's like if i can get away with it i mean mashuga got away with it right <laughs> Yeah, and in a time when it was uh, when they didn't, you know, there wasn't a yeah. hundred different amazing sounding drum sample libraries. I think they used Drum Kit from Hell. That's right, they did. They they did use Drum Kit from Hell. Same thing with uh, that after the burial record. Really, I forget which one it is, but I'm pretty sure that they had programmed drums too. Damn. At least I, if I remember, I could be confusing with another band, but yeah, like. Eight arms is what it <laughs> takes to... But no, like even on algorithmic, like Matt tracked the drums to that. Uh, and the reason why he didn't track for, for Synaptic is he, he, he kind of took a step back and had to focus on like other things. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll but just like write the drums, like whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, but when I wrote the drums for algorithmic, there was a thing where he doesn't have two hi-hats. He has one hi-hat. And I do a thing for some reason, I don't know why I do this, but I, I accent with an open hi-hat on, on parts a lot. But the double kick. But the double tick kick's going. <laughs> but Matt is so sick that he made that happen. Like he was able to do an accent with the hi hat while he's doing like you know sixteen set two ten, which is fucking mind boggling. <laughs> like because he has like a really interesting technique where he does like a swivel technique. Uh -huh. Um, and looks like he's like slippery and like on ice, you know. Yeah. Um, so he does that, but he kept he kept his heel on the pedal of the hi hat and was still in time with the kick. It's it's a crazy thing um so he was able to pull like things off like that that i would just I'm like oh i didn't even realize i was doing that anyway but so now that it's like drummers are like dude you cannot do this please stop like my hands and head hurt so it's like now i have to like take that into consideration moving forward but <laughs> too late everything's already programmed dude your digital drum slave never complains yeah but exactly as soon as you get handed off to a person they complain. This is why we we need to stop being humans. We need to be robots. Everything will be better. Um, so for these two songs, you um, you're sort of you're building them as you go. You're building the parts out in a bigger way, like vertically as you're going. So yeah. you've programmed some drums. This is the uh, the first time you've had a bass player, a separate bass player. Yeah, like an actual like we had a bass player when we first started, but. And then that was like early on, like in 2013. And then I think we haven't had a bass player since yeah. 2013. So like, <laughs> uh, actually, no, MacBook Pro has been great. Um, yeah, we've done every tour pretty much with a with bass on tracks. I mean, whatever, people hate that. But it's like, I mean, whatever. We, at the time, I was like, I don't even care, dude. I'm just trying to tour, like have fun. And I wasn't really putting a priority in a bass player. But now that we actually have a actual bass player, not just someone who follows, you know, guitar parts, like that's a big thing that Brandon has opened my eyes to as well as like an actual bass player. Is like, dude, 
like all these bass players are sick and everything like they follow the guitar but you can do so much more if you can just be more rhythmic about it and kind of bounce in and out of the riff that way like it's just not a wall of that riff like it's just like there's some nuance to it and everything so like having brandon and like having brandon do brandon things it's just like wow like this is what a bass player is like this is crazy like so like I think that shines a lot on on uh, synaptic deprivation because it's like if you guys have heard the track like the bass is just ripping on that song like he's just going off on all this fucking cool stuff dude and he's got like a fretless solo in it and it's just like damn like I think that and like top with Derek it's just like wow like I never expected to like for the song to come out like any Xena song to come out the way these are coming out and I'm just like holy shit like this is fucking cool man like it's got me stoked and I think that's why I'm like super hyped and just like really drilling it now like just trying to just never stop writing and then just completely like playing guitar every day like which is something that i haven't really done in a long time like being that stoked on music again is like awesome like i mean i'm sure you know you go through phases too where you just don't ever touch a guitar you hate a guitar it sucks like don't look at me please don't look at me um yeah uh it's like that's what it's like and it's and then now that you rediscover that and you have this new like fire in your belly. You're just like, all right, let's just keep ripping. And it's like a rediscovery of music and death model. So I find it like to be self-perpetuating. Cause you like, if you haven't played it for a while, you pick it up and you feel like you suck, like compared to where you have been yeah. at a certain point. And then you're like, ah, it's going to, you, you know what it takes to get back there. And it takes something to hook you in, to get you back feeling like you're going somewhere because yeah. it's a it's a it's a total asshole of an instrument right like yeah. it's almost anybody can play some guitar but to really be good at it knowing the kinds of sickos that are out there yeah. it's very defeating in a lot of ways it's it's always a struggle you always struggle with the instrument but once you catch a little bit of something, you play something and you either come up with something, maybe write something that's cool, or you get to a point where you're feeling pretty good about it and then you just you just take off. Like It was yeah. like that for me. Like For months, I barely played. I've been like, I don't know, whatever. And then just recently, there's I've just been playing a couple things that I've been trying to get up to speed and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh yeah, this yeah. is the feeling, the chemicals in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> discovering know. fire, dude. Like, yeah. Whoo. Yeah, it's great. At what point in the songwriting process do you hand it off to the demon carcass for slathering oh, on slathering the of, of the, the evil? <laughs> like, the you, are you giving him pretty much final tracks? Or uh, I, I kind of just update it as is. You know, like I in our group check, chat, uh, t- chat, I'll like send even like you know structures of songs and like what is happening. I'm like, oh, here, you know, just so you can wrap your brain around what's happening. And then like Derek will will go down rabbit holes on lyrical context and like um, a mat, like subject matter on that and and then like start doing his structuring as well like we're like hey like this song is is nearing completion by the way so just so you can keep wrapping your head around it. and then he'll dive do deep dives into like you know all the research he's doing on it and then finally we get like a structure finished um, like it's like okay that's done now like like notes can change here and there but that doesn't matter but rhythmically it's 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 sound. So then, then he starts like getting the lyrics and he'll like, he'll think about like what to do rhythmically, but he kind of like leaves that to me at first to find the rhythmic patterns vocally. 
and then like we do the whisper tracks like we'll all whisper in like nonsense into the into the song <laughs> mm-hmm. and then send that to him and then like we essentially plug in lyrics to that and then like when we when we get together and we're actually like pre-proing it or tracking it um we'll like change the patterns as needed to fit the lyrical context or reverse so it's like if the lyric doesn't make sense, then we need to, you know, we need to either rephrase the lyric or rephrase the uh, rhythmic pattern of the vocals. Um, and as you know, like in metal music, especially this kind, like rhythm is one hundred percent everything. So yeah. it's like um, putting a very high emphasis on rhythmic patterns and in, in vocals in this music is just like, you know, the the bread and butter of everything. Um, I think that's with just this metal in general, like. And yet, for some reason, it's still the most undervalued thing in metal. People, I think, in spite of understanding its importance, put the least amount of emphasis on it when they're thinking about writing things and yeah. the, important of, in the importance of it, which is why a lot of the, the best bands do it. They do it sort of um, intuitively, mm-hmm. but for some reason, nobody's really picked up on it and how important it is. So Yeah, I think, like, I don't want to, like, talk shit or anything, but, like, Talk that shit. I'm Justin. talking all kinds of shit right now. But tech death music has now become technical for the sake of being technical, and it's taking away from the most important thing, which is songwriting. So I think it's just, dude, like write a song because it's good, not because it's fast or like there's all these notes. Like, but then there's bands like Archspire that can do both, where they can have like a really crazy technical song, but also. Like the song structure and the songwriting is like really well done, and I mean that's like a really hard thing to do. So the chicken blood, I guess, but <laughs> chicken blood in the water, chicken blood in the egg water. Uh, but yeah, like rhythm is the most important thing I think for this kind of music, and a lot of like I think uh, one of our str- like streamers on Twitch, Mega Mike, he just. Uh, He's a cr- crazy drummer. He just did like a 169-hour stream. Uh, he asked me, he was like, well, do you like write the melody and then like you'll plug the, like you'll figure out the rhythm? And I'm like, no, I actually figure out the rhythm and then figure out like the melody if, you know, if you want to call it melody. But um, but yeah, I mean, you just, rhythm is like the most important part when writing these songs. So figure out the rhythm and then plug in like your melody or just don't write a song. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> or fuck right <laughs> just, off. Just write off, dude. Don't even do anything. But yeah, that's what separates metal from like like pop or like jazz or, you know, music that has like, you know, real harmonic context, I guess, in the, in the grand scheme of things. Uh-huh. But it's like, I think, yeah, like you said, like people just don't really take into account like rhythm is like not as important as, as it should be. Like it should be at the forefront of your mind, like when you're writing this kind of music. But at least for what we do in death metal, but I don't know, maybe not in other, all kinds of metal now that I think about it. Uh, I mean, I think the rhythm in tech death is everything, everything. Like without it, you it wouldn't even, it wouldn't have the, it wouldn't feel technical or like it wouldn't, it makes it seem very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like more subdivisions, mm. smaller ones. That makes it feel faster. Like you could have a song that's 100 BPM, but if you're subdividing it at 128th notes or whatever, like yeah, then it's, like it's gonna feel fast. Yeah, exactly. So that's the tech in tech death. Yeah, is, is the rhythm. The rhythm is yeah. I think the rhythm is the the technical part, and then like obviously like nobody's like, wow, what a technical melody. That's so melodic. Yeah, that it's technical. It's so or, technical or something like or yeah. 
then you got like I mean Necrophage just did everything perfect with that. But like <laughs> Yeah, but not, it's not even like it's hard so, to hum out a Necrophage song. Exactly. Yeah. It's not so melodic. It has a it's very uh, I don't know, like pretty things and there are melodies in there, but it's it's yeah, it's technical. It's it's and mechanical. I think that's yeah, that's but where, mechanical. That's where they, they do well is the mechanics of it. And like obviously like the, the theory and like the like I still think that Epitaph is the gold standard for yeah. for for extreme music, but even like the counterpoint in that is insane. Like yeah, and I've like tried to like take some inspiration from that on this new stuff. So like there's a lot of counterpoint happening, um, and I think that's like a thing that people don't really like take into account as much. I mean, some bands do, but like think of like you can be you can be at a slower tempo, but you can have all this crazy like bouncing and interweaving of the riff between you know two different voices that it's like you can make a much more complex song without having to do like a shit ton of work and add like a million notes or 12 notes because it's all you can really do. But <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's what I've just noticed is, is tech death has now become like technical for the sake of technicality and that's no fun. I think the biggest and best bands, however, will always have what you're talking about. Like that's to me why they rise up more than any other band. Like, yeah, sure, Archspire is for sure one of the most technical of the bunch but but they, they have, can also write they know how to write a song yeah That's same with thing. a legion like yeah i mean i wouldn't call them like tech death exactly but they're extraordinarily technical yeah and they know how to write a fucking song we talked about it when they were on mm. they're like yeah it's like techie music but we b- use basic pop song structures and, totally. and their shit is incredibly memorable and that's why those you know they do really well and um so i think it's great that you're thinking about it like that because without that like even if you're not thinking about it from a very traditional structure standpoint or like some kind of formula or anything like that it's important to because then you're imbuing meaning into the songs as you're writing them totally and like i can speak from experience because i have written songs for the sake of being technical therefore like i know how it is like yeah. i know like i'm doing this so i need to like now that i've grown up now i maybe it's just because i'm 30 now that like or i'm in my 30s it's like dude like nuance is more important than like technicality and like structure and meaning and like impact so i think yeah i think just with age <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because everyone's just so young now and then tech game and they're just like, yeah, we just got to make it the fastest, the most craziest. Ah. Well, it's a good, I mean, it's a great place to start because it's harder to start with uh, something that's less technical to gain the skill that you need to do it. Yeah. Right? Like, you can hit them, like, you can still really fucking hit them over the head with it when you want to because you've got the skills to do it just pull it out of your pocket you You can't yeah it's easier to go the other way Mm. yeah so (laughs) it's like you've already reached like oh i mean i already made these like crazy fast like technical songs no i guess the only thing you can do now is is go backwards kind of thing right yeah it's like it's like you can't make it faster and crazier because it's like (laughs) exactly (laughs) all it is i'd love to hear you guys do like a big anthemic (laughs) <laughs> like butt rock song. I mean, like. that's what synaptic <laughs> deprivation is a butt rock song. It's yes, exactly. We got synths in it, you know. It's oh great. my god, <laughs> fucking sellout! Fucking sellout. Yes, I'm a sellout now. Yeah, but age, man. I think age has probably played a massive role in you know exploring music outside of death metal um, in the last couple of years. Um, taking like a hiatus from writing death metal really opened my eyes to like 
more more nuance, I think. And like Prague, obviously, like all roads lead to jazz, all roads lead to Prague, I think. <laughs> um, I think that is just playing a role too. It's like, I don't know. Like as much as we people call us technical death metal, it's like I always consider us progressive death metal, you know, so. Progressive technical death metal and not technical progressive death technically metal. Technically progressive death metal. Uh, <laughs> technical, technical difficulty metal, uh, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, like I think now that like, I've like always aligned myself with the prog side of everything. Um, I think now, like moving forward, it's everything's more prog oriented, and I think people will find that out when we release both of these albums because um, one of them is yeah. There's two. I'm sorry, not, both of these albums. Yeah, not two at the same time. I mean, but like there's 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 two albums that are pretty much done, or done. Who knows? But they're they're vastly different from one another. Um, like this one that we're you hearing the singles on, it's like very mechanical, very you know, attack or whatever you you want to call it. Um, but the other one, which is symphonic and like actual, I think it's more human than anything. I think it conveys like a, a whole range of emotion. So I'm like more interested on that now, and I'm I'm sure mm. like I don't know if people will be down with it, but I don't really care. Um, it's it's just like dude, I need to get something else out, you know? Like I need to. Yeah, need it's to, when it rains, it pours. You. It's been five years since the last one. Yeah. Now you're gonna you're gonna fucking hit us with it. You gotta hit them, and then you just let them down. So neither I nor <laughs> anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta let them down a lot. Yeah. <laughs> all at once. Um, don't ease don't ease them into it. Um, neither I nor anyone else, as far as I know, has heard this uh, mystical second, more human album. Do you want to talk about what went into to that stuff? Since it's um. As you're saying, it has a bit of a different sound to yeah. it. You, do you take a different approach? Well, I actually wrote it in like 2017 too. Like this is another thing. Like all the a lot of the stuff I wrote was like years ago, and I'm like I kind of just stopped writing because I got so hung up on it. And then it, it took like me to rediscover like you know my passion for for metal and death metal and all this all like metal music in general to like really continue to push forward. That one was like it's like more black metal than death metal, I'd say. It's like it's like symphonic, and I started writing it in like when I was in the Faceless, and you could probably hear some of my influence uh, in the Faceless with the symphonic stuff on and becoming a ghost, um, and it's kind of in that vein, but not as uh, not as cheesy, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean it's a great album, don't get me wrong, but there's just some weird moments in it. So I think it's just taking that that like what in becoming a ghost was, and then like I don't know, because I I was writing this Zenith song or this Zenith passage album while I was writing and becoming a ghost with, with Michael. And I think I just kind of saved like all the crazy like riffs and cause like Mike has a certain way he wants to do things. And like, so like a lot of the riffs didn't really make the cut. I'm like, all right, well I'll just like do my own thing with it. And then that's what like this album's become. Um, so it's like very symphonic, very like movie score esque. I think um, it's like following, it's like if, you were to like watch a movie like the melody and the rhythm everything's always changing with the characters on screen and their emotions so it's like kind of follows that that kind of characteristic in it um you know i don't know if it's gonna people are gonna get it but hey like i did it and that's like all that matters so it's it's very different symphonic um well what's how does that change the way that you write the songs? If you're integrating a lot of what I, I assume um, sample libraries mm-hmm. and and stuff like that, are you writing a song with the guitars and then dropping that on top of it, or are you, is it very integrated into the parts? Do you ever write the 
orchestration mm-hmm. parts first and then everything yeah. else? How does that work? It's like it's like a back and forth. Like I'll start the riff, like I'll start like a, a progression, if you will, and then like add layers, and then the layers will will kind of show me where to go next. And then that you can be either orchestration or uh, the it's like guitar driven. Um, but for the most part, I think the the orchestration is at the forefront of of the songwriting, and the guitars is kind of like kind of mimic that in a way. But it's like it's not that it's like like what are bands that do that really well? Where it's like like Dimmu Borgir does it really well, you know? Where it's like they have like the orchestrations at the forefront of the songwriting, but the guitars are just kind of embellishing certain things, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like that, and I guess in a way, but faster and like more guitar. Like it's just like how do you say it? more guitar music, but in a symphonic context? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of I don't really know how to explain it. Um, I but think yeah, that's a great way to explain it. Yeah, it's <laughs> just keep, like just keep going, just keep going, don't just, stop. just keep talking, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I would I would write like I would pull up like a sample library that I like, and then like I mean you know you can find like you can find something that inspires you based on that that library or some cool element in that library, and that like. Like you follow the thread with that, and then that that takes you to this riff. And you're like, oh, I can add guitar here, and then like you go off on the guitar for a minute. Like, oh, I'll just do this with the guitar, and then you add the orchestration on that, and this is like it's like a snowball effect. You know, mm-hmm. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So yeah, it's like the give and take between like each individual component of the song, and I think that's what's fueled that that record is just all all parts moving at once. What are you using for uh, sample libraries? For the most part, oh, these days, I'm using. Yeah. Uh, I got that BBC Orchestra when they went on sale. I was really sick. Uh, Symphobia Two. I've been using a lot. Um, I use it on a lot of stuff. Even like you heard it on Synaptic is the Omnisphere Two. I use that mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, Diva I use that a lot. Um, Zebra, the Alicia Keys, the piano. Yes, yeah, yeah. The best one ever. Um, there's a lot of piano on the orchestration, or I'm sorry, on the orchestral record. Battery. Um, Brody actually told me a lot about um battery and like he said that there's like a lot of cool rhythmic things in battery that kind of inspire you to write based mm-hmm. on that you know like a lot of cool industrial things but then he went out and just recorded all his own industrial library which is <laughs> crazy dude yeah which we uh, talked about on i think episode two of uh, the podcast i think he was my second guest mm-hmm. so if you at home want to hear more about how he did that yeah. crazy it's crazy insane. endeavor check out that episode yeah it's pretty insane that that's the next level. Yeah, like, that's pretty cool, man. Like, it's one thing to use sample libraries and something else entirely to create your own. And it's all natural reverb, which is insane. Like that uh, abandoned factory they went into, it's just all natural reverb. Yeah. That, that's crazy to me. Like, Wild. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> See, like, that's like the kind of level like I would like to get to is just... But we live in Los Angeles, and like if you step across, you know, someone's property, you probably will get arrested. So it's like you can't just do that. So yeah, sample library. So I just been, you know, getting inspired by the sample library, and then seeing where that takes me. I find it hard to believe that you have no idea what you're doing if you're writing, like big orchestral stuff like that. Is there like at any point have you studied any of this kind of stuff formally in any way? Or yeah, I went to school for composition. <laughs> I'm waiting to see if you're cho- if you're joking or no, not. No, <laughs> I'm not joking. That's, it's, <laughs> I went to school at CSU Northridge for um, music composition, and then I I switched my major to business, and then I dropped out. Oh, okay. To join the Faceless, and then I never went back. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> to dropping out. To dropping um, out. How, so how long did you uh, did you go for it for? Uh, four, like three four years. Composition. Yeah, for composition, okay. it was like two and a half years. Um, 
studied under like a really, really uh, awesome uh, director. She, a director of the board, she was working with Hans Zimmer for a long time in the 90s. And she was telling me about like how Hans had like a, an entire like studio with just CS80s, Jay-Z chain together. Like, <laughs> so fucking cool, man. Um, so, and those that's things true. are not light, you know, and they're no, on the they're, wall. They're enormous. It's crazy. Um, so like just working with people like that who have had their hands in film, like with these massive people and then like, I'm like, I take a lot of influence from from uh, f- from film score and composition in that regard. So I think that's what is shining on this uh, orchestral record. What's so, your number one favorite film score of all time? There's a lot of people now, but Vangelis, you know, like mm-hmm. um, the Blade Runner soundtrack, it's like the thing that changed the world. Um, even like Hans Zimmer and his his team at Remote Control, their uh, like 2049 was great. Yeah. Um, Pretty much anything that remote control does, I I love. Like like Dune, the Dune soundtrack is insane. Like, oh yeah, I haven't a seen lot of people yet. don't really like it because it's just it's mainly tonal. But that one's really good. Interstellar. Like if you get into like Philip Glass, Philip Glass is a massive influence on me. Um, some of that so you like you like a lot of minimalist shit. You like the yeah, that's the cool thing. You can take a minimalist aspect of it. But the thing about Philip Glass is like it is kind of minimal, but there's so much insanity happening in the. It's like repeating like by repetitive motion, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what minimalism is. But it's like really not minimal because if you listen, the, the more it keeps happening, you notice new things because of all the polymeter that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty insane, dude. So it's like that's why I like Philip Glass because you can just notice new things here and there every time like the cycle repeats. So like taking some of his like ideas with that and like his his like polymeter idea, like I kind of use that in Solipsist on some tracks. Um and I, I use that a lot on pretty much everything I do. He's like one, I think I'd say one of the biggest musical influences on me or compositional influences yeah. on me. I'm trying to think of any other really good film well, score. I, I guess I'm interested then um, because like when I think of the sort of like orchestral influence in metal, especially like Demo Borgir and stuff like that we've talked about, like I I usually think of it's more like like Danny Elfman or John Williams plus metal. Oh yeah, um, so, Danny Elfman's great. So man. now I'm interested even more so to hear um, something that would be more Philip Glass um, or mm-hmm. like the other composers that you mentioned, like that aren't like bombastic sort of composition. Like it's 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 much more focused and and moody. Yeah, and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, so. very 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 moody. That's a, probably a good word for what it is. It's very moody. It's not like superhero. You know, like I think that's what yeah. you mean, like superhero yeah. movie, where it's just like massive brass sections and. Like I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. Like that new septic, like septic flesh, does it really well. Like with their yeah. their massive brass <laughs> sections, it's flesh. so good, dude. Like it's so oh. well written. Also, that new track is really good. Then no I haven't heard it yet. Yes. I'm gonna do. I'm probably gonna do a reaction video for oh, it. You should. I, uh, I should not talk about it. Then. No, it's, it's fine. It's good. You can talk about it. It's not the same as me hearing it. I mean, it's got a lot of uh, <laughs> Greek instrumentation in it, which oh, cool. is fucking cool. Yeah. But yeah, Deceptic Flesh does it. Like their their arrangements, uh, uh, symphonic arrangement is really well done. Um, everything has a place in in their in their composition and arrangement. So it's like, I think. Th- Taking influence from how they do it is like a big one too. Like, uh, there's another band too that does it really well. Um, Saturnian, they mm. they were like a band that no one really got. Like, it didn't really hit, but I think they were at like they were at the forefront of like this new sound and symphonic like like music. Um, they only put out one record. It was it's kind of a bummer. They just kind of disappeared after it. But man, Saturnian, you should check them out. They're f- so good. Um, Sweet. 
and then who else? Who's like another band that does like Crack Angren does it really well. Mm-hmm. Like they do like their orchestrations are really well done, and like obviously you know Ishan, mm-hmm. Ishan is like a genius. I think like if you, all his solo records, even Emperor stuff, it's like so ahead of its time. I uh, I spent a lot of time with Arctis. Oh yeah, that album, so good. fucking so good. I don't understand why like Celestial Violence, you know that song. It, it's just like. I'm so bad with song titles. Oh man, it's it's <laughs> got it's got so good, man. Uh, I don't understand how a song like that cannot win a Grammy. Like it's just so well done. Like how can you not be moved by that? And like it changed the world, dude. In world hunger, like it's just that good. Um, <laughs> and like it's so fucking good. Ishan is a fucking genius, dude. And and like going on to the prog world, you know, with uh, like you know Michael Ackerfeld and Opeth and. I mean, a lot of people don't really, you know, get Opeth or like Opeth. They're at least newer Opeth too, you know, which I get. But you can't deny like the skill and like the creative cleverness that is, you know, Opeth. So like I've been like really into that more than anything. Like the last couple of years is like that prog prog world, and I think that's what's fueled a lot of the fire for what I'm doing on on the symphonic record. Um, so it's just like now, it's like, okay, I got to get this crazy death metal record out so I can move on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm sure people are not going to be oh, yeah. st- too stoked about that, but it's like, dude. I think it's funny that, I, I don't know if this is genre specific or what, like the being afraid of your fans, like not liking. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess every musician feels like yeah. that if they're taking a big step. But it's funny to hear you be like, well, I know that some people don't really like Opeth or whatever, but like, like who fucking cares? Like, yeah. Metal fans are the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah, we we hate everything. We hate we hate everything. It's like I think it comes from fear, like the fear of the unknown. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like they don't get it. But I feel like people who who absolutely hate something eventually come around to it and give it another try, and they hopefully take something from it. Like, oh, this is actually pretty cool right here in this part or this or that. So I don't know. Like, I think you you can't just put the same thing out over and over again. You got to grow, you know. So like. It's not like we're adding like freaking all these cool oh vocals, and, you know. Like <laughs> it's not like we're doing some shit like that or anything. We're just kind of just trying to do something different, you know. Yeah. So it's not like synaptic deprivation. I should. I mean, I would listen to that a lot. Should but, be, um, <laughs> you should do that. I mean, I'm down to do that. Um, yeah, t- try pitching that to Derek. He'd be, be like, okay, <laughs> this is pretty cool, man. But what if? Instead of screaming like a fucking demon, you sang it like an angel. You seem like Sade. <laughs> hello, hello, <laughs> Derek. Hello. Um, but I, I'm I'm excited to hear the symphonic one a lot, mainly because I remember you telling me about it um, when you were here last a bit, and it was it was really interesting to hear the way that you were talking about it before because you it seemed like you at the time you were having a little bit of an existential crisis about what yeah. you wanted your music to be where you yeah. you know you were trying out some shit yeah and now it usually you, happens after you leave the faceless yeah you have an existential crisis who am I yeah what do I do that's a lot of existential crisis do I even like have, metal anymore that have like, been inspired then because. <laughs> Yeah, everyone goes through that phase when they um, leave the band. They're like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's a rite of passage, yeah. you know? They're the yardbirds of, the yard of modern metal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's cool. Like, you, um, you're you exploring, you're sandboxing, you're trying mm. new shit. Yeah. That's more important almost than anything else for moving forward because yeah, how totally. do you decide 
what the new thing is that you're going to do. Like you're saying, you can't put out the same thing over and over mm -hmm. again. So how do you figure out what the thing is that's going to be not that? Yeah. Right? You just take influence from other things, like I think, outside of, even outside of metal. Like, you what Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, like, you just you can just listen to pop music, or you know, listen. I mean, pop music sucks for the most part, but you can't. You like, there's a reason why it's popular. You know, like, yeah. there's a reason why like all these insane musicians are doing it. And then you get into this new world now, like, which is what neo funk and like future funk and uh, like Thundercat or like Jacob Collier or um, uh, all these crazy people like like Dami and JD Beck, and it's like, dude, what the fuck are we doing dude like why are we not doing this this is so sick so like taking influence from that like has i think played a massive part too in like this new like exciting world that's happening in jazz and and funk it's like i want to be a part of it too man i, I, I want in on that in come on, on let me get a little bit of that i think it's anathema to a lot of especially metalheads because it's super tribal and like people feel as though metal is what it is because it isn't those other things. Mm -hmm. um, and so to listen to something else that isn't metal for influence feels like betrayal or something to a lot of people. And that's, I, get it. I think that's <clears throat> fucking dumb, but um, I like, I don't know. Um, I, well, I'll say this for a hundred percent certain. The number one reason that I think that that's bullshit is because I have interviewed Everyone and their fucking grandma in every genre of, of metal, every subgenre, like big fucking bands, um, underground shit, and they all say the same shit. They listen to stuff that is not metal all the time. Like, mm -hmm. like fucking black metal bands don't get on the tour bus after their show and listen to black metal, more black metal. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, um, that's. That's just a, a fact that they I've been told over and over and over again, regardless of whether they go out and then make another album that sounds like the last one, they're listening to all kinds of shit. Yeah. All over the board. So It's like um, a big vacuum. You got to suck up everything and, you know, you spit out what it is that is influencing you. Um, yeah, but like listening to metal after, like being on a death metal tour and listening to death metal in the van is just not thing i can't i cannot do it there are some members in the past that would always put on death metal after a after like you know three weeks in you're like dude please can we just not listen to anything with guitar <laughs> or anything with drums to something that's like this is like where me and matt vibe on because matt's like a huge film guy like he he's really into like uh film score and composition so like we really vibe on like movie soundtracks and we always listen to it when we're on tour but some members would always put on like death metal like after on a night drive and mainly to keep them awake, which I totally get. But it's just like, come on, dude, please, man, please. <laughs> I don't want to be awake anymore. I want to be, be asleep. Yeah, but yeah, like, dude, I think you burn yourself out too when you do that. Like, if you're listening to it all the time, which is great to listen to it all the time, but you gotta like, you don't want to burn yourself out, you know? Like, you gotta still like have space from it to still love it, you know? I think it just pulls you back even more. Yeah. And like when you when you're going into listening to new things, it's discovery, right? You're trying out something new. You find you hear about a new artist, maybe you go and you look and you don't necessarily know what to expect. You're not going in maybe going like, "Oh, I'm going to learn this from this. I'm going to pick up this trick or this yeah. idea." Um because you can't like 
you can't know what it is that's going to be new exactly. because it's new. So you yeah. you have to go in blind, trying new shit wildly. Yeah. And listening. And it's like you might not even know it. Like it might be subconsciously pulling you towards that. Like you're gravitating towards something and you're like like you might not even know that you like it that much until you're actually humming it or you're thinking about some melody or you're doing something in your writing that you just never had in you before just because you were exposed to it. So like being exposed to that music and just trying to go down, even if you don't like it, just try it. Like who knows like what the effect could be where it could take you. Like, I think that's important. Like you can't just be stuck in this hole, dude. Cause like, how are you supposed to grow? How are you supposed to find other things? You know, like you can't, you can't do this. You can't be in the hole. (laughs) Don't be in the hole. No, just, I don't know. I think that's just, like I said, age. Growing up now, like, when I was, like, I used to be, like, 100% elitist. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was an elitist. Like, fuck everything that's not death metal. Um, everything else sucks. Like, I'm, I'm like, I hate everything but metal. It's, like, I was there. Like, I get it. And I think, you know, age has shown me, like, dude, who cares? Just listen to music. I think people care when they make it their personality, like, when metal becomes your entire personality, you know, and Mm -hmm. you don't have anything else interesting to offer, (laughs) you know (laughs) what I mean? Like as a person. And I think, um, the reason that that goes away as people get, get older is because you meet a lot of other interesting people who have Mm -hmm. like, who have more things to say. And then you're like, Oh, this isn't the only thing, even if it's the most important thing. Like I still listen mostly to metal. Yeah. You know, absolutely. like I'm still probably 80, 70 to 80% of what I listen to is metal. Mm-hmm. I love it. I play in a metal band. Like I write metal music, but like I'm, I don't have such an ego to think that it's the most, the only thing that exists, the most important, the best, yeah, whatever, totally. like just cause I like it the most mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's um, to me, at least it's a vehicle for these other influences that I have, mm-hmm. you know, writing other things, like and incorporating them into them like you're saying like the um like film scoring stuff different sounds different ideas um i think that's actually where metal excels yeah the reason there's infinity billion like sub genres of metal yeah is because you can take any cool thing and put it and put it into metal make it it metal like what's the thing like like fucking uh reggaeton add it with metal it gets better yeah Right, um, the best pop. Add add it metal to pop. Boom, it's better. That's fucking cool. It's like yeah. a sauce. It really is like a like a sauce or like a magnet, if you will. It's like that's what makes metal. I think the coolest of everything is because it's able to meld into this thing that is just like it's like almost like a projection of that music, but in the in in somewhat of an aggressive context, I guess. Because I guess metal for some part is is aggressive. Um, I'd say. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's cool to like take something that's cool in this aspect and then, yeah, making it aggro and making it like more energetic. And it's not even about being aggressive. I think it's just energy and uh, impact because metal is like pure, like pure energy, pure, like just like full throttle for the most part. You know, it's like, and maybe a lot of people, like I know I do, like I take emotional um stance in, in metal because he's like some people might have had like emotional trauma and they they put their uh they put that into metal and like maybe by being at a show or listening to metal like all that built up pent up you know steam that you have that's an outlet for you and like i i identify with that you know like i i get into to metal and it was like an outlet for me to not feel bad anymore so like a lot of people may 
I totally understand like a lot of people are 100% in the metal because that's their outlet to just get off steam. And yeah, I think maybe growing up too, it's like now like I'm not in a situation where I have to always let out steam. Um, well, maybe the pandemic is is making us more angry. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> building that steam. Building again. that steam up. But yeah, like in, in an emotional context, like I think, yeah, metal has a, a pretty massive impact on how you deal with things emotionally. Because it's like, yeah, you can like listen to sad music or listen to like dance music and dance it away. Like people have their different ways of doing it. But like metal music is so much about like the aggression and like the energy that it's like a way to just let it out in a safe space, I think. And I don't know, maybe people will disagree with me, but I think, I think going to shows and like people, you know, mosh pit and and, like they, you know, hardcore dance or whatever you want to do. It's like in a safe space where other people are letting that out too. And I think that's super important. So, you know, someone builds their whole identity on that and like, but that they're still like a good person and they're able to you let that shit out and, you know, have fun, then, like, who cares, man? That's another thing, too, that a lot of people don't get, like, who aren't into metal. It's, like, everyone thinks that metalheads are, like, these big, mean people. <laughs> We're just teddy bears is, like, all it is. Huge fucking dorks exactly. and teddy bears. Nerds. Nerds dorks, dorks, teddy bears. Yeah. That's all it is. So, I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing, like, is, like, if you were a pop artist or, like, I don't know, someone who listens to, like, trap music or whatever it is and you don't know metal, like, do you think that someone who listens to that music can take influence from metal and then, like, get it? Hmm. Because, you know, like, as a metal musician, I feel like most metal musicians are very open-minded to, like, sucking in different aspects and then Mm -hmm. pushing out something that unifies all those influences together. But does, like, a pop artist or, like, someone who is not in metal at all take influence from metal and be like try to put that in their stuff because it's this pure aggression and energy it's like that is a great question you got to get a pop artist in here now dude call it bieber <laughs> i know you got him on speed <laughs> oh dial, my dude. god i would love <laughs> i would fucking love it. talking about getting uh people in here who are better looking than me <laughs> um, <laughs> i look at metal as a bit a bit like tofu right tofu on its own doesn't really taste like much you add a bunch of stuff to it. It, it absorbs whatever you put into mm-hmm. it very well um, and delivers that flavor in a great vehicle that's full of protein. But <laughs> um, all, all that. I don't protein. know if uh, uh, other, you know, I, that's a question I have never considered before because it has to be true because, of course, some people who write pop music or whatever listen to metal. Okay, well, actually, Max Martin is a great example. Max Martin, the most revered and um successful pop songwriter of all time Mm -hmm. like net worth of 400 million dollars like most people have no fucking idea who he is but he wrote um you know hit me baby one more time like hit after hit after hit um like from the 90s to now something like 20 plus number one hits uh he wrote the um blinding lights for the weekend which Mm -hmm. spent longer on the billboard charts than any Beatles song and shit like that. He was a metalhead to start. He he was in metal bands in Sweden. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And no shit. Not like you know, not like fucking uh, mellow death like Swedish oh. metal bands. Like he was uh, he was in Gothenburg. like more like hair metal oh, stuff okay. like that. But still, like definitely had a has some metal roots. So he's probably the best example that I can think of. Oh, and then 
the guy from Winds of Plague, Morgoth Beats. Oh, yeah. He's doing shit with, like, what's that, Gunface Kelly and stuff? Machine Gun Kelly? Machine Gun Kelly, whatever, yeah. Gunface, thinking of Red Cord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's the mashup we need. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, I, I don't know necessarily that the music that he's writing is super influenced by the metal that he listens to or, or whatever, but I, I don't really know. Because he started God, he started off in, in metal. Like, he's always been in metal. I remember we did yeah. a tour with him, and that's when he was, like, in the thick of the Morgoth thing, and now he's, like, yeah, he's, like, doing crazy shit. And, like, I think a lot of artists who start in metal end up going into this pop world. Like, I, I, can't, I, I can't name names. Because they're s- fucking sick of being poor and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. doing the van, Sometimes, 18 passenger yeah. van tour, sleeping in a Walmart parking lot. Yeah, I think it's just, like, when, you, when you're born in that world where everything is, like, it's, like, everything that in metal culminates is this massive, like, concentration of everything musical but it's like also very aggressive and then it explodes and then you get shot off in a different direction but you come from that place it's like easier to do things i think musically because you've come from like this insanity that is the metal scene you know like with everything that's happening like and when you like look back on metal bands too that weren't metal bands like black sabbath didn't know that they were going to be the grandfathers of of metal music, yeah. you know, like or, or like Venom didn't know what they were doing. Death didn't, they didn't know what they wake were doing. up in the morning and be like, "I'm gonna invent metal today." Yeah, exactly. It's like it just kind of came into that, or like I don't know who else considers the forefathers of metal. Like I guess what Zepp. Some people call Zeppelin, I guess, in a way. Uh, yeah, Black Sabbath holds up as being very metal because of the the even, tone. Yeah, have. like, I don't think there's anything about Led Zeppelin that really sounds metal in a modern yeah. context. Yeah. Like, Black Sabbath still sounds metal to me. Yeah. Even though it's, I mean, it sounds more like doom. Yeah, metal, now. Obviously, but totally. at the time, there was, there were no, <laughs> yeah, we didn't Nothing have Nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sound, the distortion, it's like. They can, weren't like, we're going to invent metal, and also it's going to be this subgenre of metal called doom metal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that takes place like 40 years later. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, like something like that. It's like the Big Bang Theory. Nostradamus. You know? Nostradamus? <laughs> they foresaw doom metal coming. Oh, my God, dude. All right, oh, well, a, uh, uh, see ya. I understand. <laughs> Nostradamus. Um, Nostradamus. should start that Write side that project. Shit down. <laughs> Ooh, boy, we're getting pretty far afield, but this is very interesting stuff. All that to say, so let's let's uh, let's pull it back to a zenith passage specific context with all of this stuff. These are all things that you're sort of unconsciously or maybe consciously incorporating into the music to some extent. How much do you like consciously put into the music in terms of? these sort of outside influences and stuff like when you're writing this this the more death metal of these two albums that you're talking about um is there anything that you're like i'm going for something more like this any specific moments Mm -hmm. maybe that you were like uh like really wearing your influences on your sleeve or something you were listening to recently that really influenced oh yeah totally like there's moments where i'm like okay well going off on all these metal tangents like with pure like you know it's just like full throttle the whole time it's like okay well you need to you need to slow down for a minute and have a chance to you know reflect on what just happened so like i think creating these palate cleansers within the album like i did that on slipsis too as like I, I call them death metal palate cleansers really you know like ginger or whatever 
it's just you put those like in the middle of the album or in the middle of a song and it, it kind of like refreshes the listener and it doesn't exhaust them I think like if you have like a really cool atmospheric you know interlude or texture that happens it kind of can make the next bite even more flavorful because it's like you've had a chance to slow down and reflect and then it comes back even harder so like I I try to use that a lot in in songwriting like holographic principle 2 has some elements like that and I think even synaptic deprivation has that where I mean there's two halves to the song you know there's like the full intensity you know like rhythmic part and then it takes you to this atmospheric part and then Brandon's like you know fretless solo comes out and it's all cynic and crazy and atmospheric and then you jump into like the insanity that happens after that so it's like reintroducing you to like like hey by the way this is what this is what we are so I think taking like jazz for example and like a lot of the cool stuff that um you know, like Johan Johansson does um, with his atmospheric, like big cinematic things that he does texturally, and then inputting that into metal as like a way to reflect on what's happening and like kind of get like a palate cleanser is like what I what I really take influence from and like like because you know you don't know Johan Johansson like from, I don't oh man. He's a, an Icelandic composer. He uh, he did Arrival. He did Sicario, um, but just like really dr- almost droney kind mm-hmm. of uh, things that he does with like with string instruments or synth, and it's like very impactful. It's like it makes you feel a certain way, like dread almost, and like like but some glimmer of hope. I know it's like so many things you can do tonally. It's like mainly tonal. So incorporating stuff like that as a way to like kind of feel like floaty and ethereal like and then throwing you back into like force feeding you back into that like death metal experience is like i think something i really enjoy doing because it's allows me to like be satisfied like musically in terms of like you know the whether it be atmospheric or uh composition or jazz like i'm able to at least dive into that introduce that and then build from that into like this aggressive high energy thing so yeah like taking I definitely do take, you know, those influences into effect in songwriting, but also, like, I do realize that, like, we have a certain sound, and, like, this is the sound, the overall objective of the album is to have this sound, but also, like, be able to make it more digestible in a way, or make it more easier to, like, dive into, and then just be able to have your, you know, like you said, wear your influences on your sleeve, so... I'm definitely taking a lot of like jazz into account, like onto this record, the death metal record. I mean, I'm I think that's a little. I think with Synaptic, that's definitely come out. That yeah, we can we can be you know very jazzy too, and and especially now having like Brandon in the band, who's like a phenomenal like his his sense of melody is insane. So it's like being able to like have Brandon just do his thing like unhinged and just be like be Brandon do your thing man and like bounce off ideas off how he does things like his solo his bass solo in Synaptic is like what inspired my solo the fault that followed it because he starts with his his fretless solo which is in a very interesting uh scale format that I didn't think I'd use um in altered like I don't really use altered so um he's like yeah I'm just gonna use altered in this part so I'm like oh shit maybe I should do that too so like like just his musical you know palette influenced mine just in like in that context. So it's like cool to like see like and hear that happening in real time too. So yeah, I think incorporating a lot of different um, aspects from 
other members this time too, where it's like not ever like because everyone comes from different worlds and in, in, in the band musically, like with Derek, he's like really into the, to the black metal and like the really um, like French black metal, like a huge thing. Um, so he takes a lot of influence from that, and then like Brandon with you know, he's like really into '90s like like pop and like fusion. You know, he played in fucking Cynic, so <laughs> it's like being able to use that that palette that everyone has and then like chris too you know chris is like he kind of grew up on zenith patch he's a little bit younger than us he grew up in that tech death world so it's like a reflection of like how it was when i was that age like i'm like oh this is why we did this like now i get it because you kind of forget like why you do things so like having chris in the band now it's like like i think it just works every part is moving like the way it's supposed to be so i don't know it's very interesting it's like a new age thing like i mean it's like a new band essentially you know it's like so like, it's like it's been weird for me too to, to get used to the fact that it's like a brand new band, you know, because it's like I started the band with Greg in our apartment in Bakersfield, so, and like with Rob and everything, it's like it was kind of hard parting from those guys because they're like my friends and I've shared so many memories with them. It's like a thing I'm like I was kind of afraid to do without them, but I just like you know we just got to keep going, so. Yeah. I think it's definitely proving to work, I guess, to some degree with everyone. So I'm very excited. I think you get used to working a certain way. And it seems like a lot of what you've done has been writing it mostly by yourself. Yeah. Like, like sort of hermit style. Mm-hmm. And you can, I know that when I do that, I get very self critical. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to stay focused and also to have a good perspective on whether what you're doing is good or not. Mm-hmm. You think you, you're like I have this is the fucking thing right here. This is yeah. the greatest whatever, and it and then you show it to somebody else and they're like I don't know man. Or you make something you're like I don't know this isn't that great, and you show mm-hmm. it to other people and they're like dude no this is that's it. We this is what we need to do. Yeah exactly. And so I um I, I'm excited to hear what comes out of a more collaborative approach mm-hmm. to what you're doing because obviously it's worked out pretty great the the way that you've been doing it but also like you're saying like first of all it seems like you you're able to work a bit faster if you've yeah. got a little bit of pressure from somebody else you're collaborating with them more like you're yeah. saying you 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 wrote some stuff and and it's just it's just flowing because you've you're bouncing it off the other members of the band and yeah. uh and that kind of thing so yeah like having more input i think is like something i haven't really dealt with too much as a songwriter um so, like, now having input from, like, other people who get it, you know what I mean? Like, not mm-hmm. to say that other people didn't get it, it's just, I think we grew up different, like, we grew apart a little bit in that way, like, mm-hmm. musically, to the point where, like, they didn't get what I was trying to do, and I didn't get what they were trying to do. Yeah. So, I think that that was, like, a hard part in, in, in moving forward, but everyone's on the same page, everyone gets it, everyone has, like, an idea of what it should be, or, like, what to do. So, it's, like, that's what's fucking cool like and i've never had that in a band before so in terms of songwriting it's like a breath of fresh air like having like oh i can trust that this is going to be cool because you're sick you know like and you have a sick idea of what to do so yeah it's very it's definitely like refueled my love for this music so it's been great and you can like uh delegate too like you can outsource some things yeah and, that's and cool. then the yeah. burden isn't entirely yeah. on you and it's like you don't feel the weight of the world on you i mean you know it's like writing everything yourself for so long it just gets you get burnt out and you just don't want to do it anymore and then i mean i've definitely suffered from that so being able to yeah like like you said delegate things or just trust that they can just figure it out and do it cooler than you probably would have 
Like that's like fucking awesome. Like I love that. Like because Derek is like uh, Greg. Greg's good. Like don't get me wrong. Greg's great, and you know he has his way of doing things. But like like Derek is like at a much different level because he's able to like get the big picture and like has he's like a he's like a great lyricist. You know he like gets. He gets things that I don't get, and he 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 says things like, "Oh, that wouldn't work if we do that." Where I would just be like, "Whatever, dude, just do it." Yeah. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like if you look at the uh, you know the lyrics on Slipsis, it's just like thesaurus.com and full effects. <laughs> you know, it's like whatever, dude. Um, but like Derek has like a he's like, "Yeah, you can't do that. It doesn't fucking make sense, dude." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not like you know we we definitely got thesaurus.com open. It's should be credited on a lot of albums. <laughs> to be honest, a lot of people don't give to Dude, I, I use it all the time. Rhyming dictionary. Yeah, rhyme dictionary. Like, yeah. I got a pretty good vocabulary. I know a lot of words. I've been speaking English the yeah. whole time that I've been alive. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can remember every word every time. Yeah, dude. You know? like, And you could find different meaning in a word. You're like, oh, I didn't know that that word meant that as well. Or yeah. something, or like in a different in that context, or like I just need more syllables. So let me look on thesaurus.com to find a word that has at least eight syllables in it, <laughs> so I can make this part work. Yeah, <laughs> like things like that happen too. I need I need a word that means this thing, but it has to be this many syllables. Exactly. Otherwise, I have to delete this entire line. And exactly. Start from scratch, yeah, so. that's that's like honestly like the biggest juggle too is like having something make sense, um, but like have it have it fit rhythmically and uh, also be like what, what Zenith passage is, is obviously, you know, very, you know, sci-fi and scientific while also trying to sound like that too, is like a really hard thing to do. And it honestly, like solipsist shows that it comes out like kind of nonsensical sometimes. <laughs> so like trying to like definitely avoiding that on, on everything that we're doing now. So it's been, it's been pretty funny. It's been a fun learning. I experience. forced a bot to do a thousand hours of research on microbes and then write a song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is what came out. Pretty much. It's like, how do you sound scientific but also poetic? It's kind of hard to do. Well, if you're neither a scientist nor a poet, it's exactly. probably really hard. Exactly. Well, luckily, Derek <laughs> you're gonna is... You're going to be both. Yeah, he's into slam poetry, so... Oh. Synaptic deprivation. Algorithmic. Algorithmic. Salvation. salvation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's literally, like, how it feels now. It's like... Passing through the zenith passage. <laughs> Passaggio science. Bellagio. Oh! oh, see, this is great. That's a song. <laughs> there you go. Just um, in the stream. The song's done to Spotify <laughs> straight away. DistroKid. This is just it's a fun thing, you know. Just a learn. It's a great learning experience. Um, doing like fun shit like that and just trying to find out how to make it have a rhythmic, you know, meter to to it, like vocally and lyrically. Do you ever start with a lyric? Start with a um, a lyrical idea and build off of that. Oh, like, like when you write, write, a, when write you write the a song, song based yeah. on that. Yeah, actually, like it started off as a song, but then like because the also the orchestral album is very um, conceptual, so it's like a it's like every movement has is like a story being told has a lot to do with simulation theory. Um, so it's a a massive conceptual idea, and I think that too is able to like having a singular perspective on it as a like you're going through the story as a person i guess if you will or an entity mm -hmm. so it's like having like a conceptual outlook on it can change like how the tonality works here or there or like like the orchestral effect there but i mean the, the lyrics aren't like 100 percent written but like the the theme is there so like keeping that in mind has definitely played a massive role on 
like the tonality and the harmonics of of what should be happening in the in like the whole of of the song. I don't want to give away too much because it's like it's so in depth. There's like some cool (laughs) shit that I'm pretty stoked about that it's happened. Um, But it's okay. It starts off symphonic and then it like moves its way to being more digital and synthy. So like I think that is like a cool like motif that's been being played uh, a lot in the theme. So it's very human and then it gets very robotic. And that's all interesting. Yeah, so it's like an interesting musically <laughs> and lyrically in that way. But so. it was, uh, but it was inspired in part by the lyric, lyrical content. Yeah, like it started off as like, oh, this is a cool riff, and then it turned into this, and like, okay, well, but there's all this cool like theory that I have, I've discovered through like researching this and that, and through front talking with friends about like all this crazy simulation theory, and then this and that, and then. That kind of led and like, oh, this is the concept now. Okay, now I can start like having a solidified um, like structure of what to do with the music. So, yeah, it's like it's it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm like pretty stoked about it. Like I'm I'm like very excited about being able to do something like that musically. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty it's fun. You know, it's fun to be able to discover that like in yourself. So I am reminded now with you talking about this kind of stuff, I completely forgot. I don't even know if you still do this for a job, but for a while you were composing music for your job Mm -hmm. for children's toys. Yeah. Yeah. I still do it. I mean, with the pandemic, I got let go and I got hired back and I got let go and you know, that whole charade, but yeah, I still do it. I'm, I'm a, you know, I work in product development and I do anything from, I wear multiple hats. So it's like doing (laughs) anything from like packaging, like engineering to like, product development to like writing all the music to doing video editing to like oh, wow. going to showroom building so it's like tons of different things but yeah like i've been able to develop like sound design for toys and uh write like composition like pop music actually for a toy it's called a Lumi. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's called Lumi's, and it's like it's actually a pretty interesting concept so it's it's a it's a toy that scans colors right and there's four there's four instrumentations per color so you have like a beat, you have a melody, you have a bass line, then you have a vocal line. In each individual color, there's like a specific specified melody for that color. So you can you can you can have like a loopable beat, right? Like f- uh, up to four uh, in a row, and it's like a seven second beat. So you can go around and you can scan different colors, and based on all the colors you scan, uh, it like creates your own loop. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's just like it kind of flew under the radar a little bit, just the way it was marketed. But um, it's a really interesting thing. Like you can, like kids are able to like create their own loops, and hopefully, in turn, that inspires them to like get into music and write music. Yeah, and, like that was like the ultimate goal. And uh, I, th- I was pretty proud of that. I was like, man, it's such a, such a cool like product, like to be able to do that. And there's like an, a death metal Easter egg in there too. And if you like scan like a a series of colors sequences, it there's like a sick riff in there. <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I discovered something like that pretty recently. A friend of mine who has a kid had this one of those books that it's kind of like a speak and spell almost. Mm. Um, and you like, you know, like, oh, here's this is what this sounds like. And there's a guitar like one mm-hmm. and it plays a Megadeth riff. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I think it's, um, like I think it's the opener to 
uh, Rust in Peace. What, what the fuck is it? Uh, fuck. Dude, it's, Hang- a, yeah, it's, it's not Hanger. It's not that one. It's... Whatever the first song on Rust in Peace well, is. We're posers. Yeah, total <laughs> fucking posers. Can't remember. I can fucking play it, but yeah. I can't remember the can't goddamn remember the name, damn of name of it. I know it exactly. I know it did tell you. It's Holy Wars. Holy Wars, yes. It's Holy Wars. That's right. The Punishment Do. Okay. Oh, <laughs> saved our fucking yes. metal crit yeah, by the man, skin of our cred is fine. Thank I had to you. go through it in my mind. Anyway, so uh, that's that's pretty cool. I would love to try that in here where I can change the walls to all these different colors. Oh, yeah. I could, like, oh, scan shit. It. Anyway, so when you're writing music for that kind of stuff, it must be you have to take a completely different approach because it's not just like pop music per se. You're writing it for children, presumably, and for for this weird format where these things have to be interchangeable. Yeah, there's like a lot of variables at play. So another thing too is like... I had That's to... super fucking John Cage-esque too. Do you ever like see the thing where he uh, has the the conch shells that have water in them, the Uh-oh. improvisation, and there's no way to control the improvisation? Oh, it's, it's really It's a really interesting concept. And it's kind of like, I mean, it's not that, not exactly the same as what you're saying, but just like interchangeable variables basically uh infinite combinations yeah it's like a fluidity of it yeah that's interesting so it uses water to yeah i gotta check that out yeah um but just like it's basically it's completely different every time Mm. and uh so you and you have to design you had to design this there's like 300 300 uh, like i think 300 something layers wow but we only use like 128 of them or something but I had to create so many because, you know, you have to go through all the proper channels and corporate blah, blah, blah. So yeah. it's like everyone's got to sign off on it. And then, like, you know, with this company, things change at, at the, you know, with the wind. So it's like, <laughs> okay, I got to do this now. So I have to rewrite all this stuff. But wow. it, it was in the key of C. And then, like, everything was at 120 or 140. And then it was in a loopable pattern. Um, and then it's just like I had to really dive into the top 40 at the time and, like, what is popular and then try to mimic that and, like, have fun with it at the same time and have it be accessible to kids. But most kids, like, I think the age, I think what was our age on that? I think it's like five and up or something. So it's like most kids, like, we're down with it. It's not like Disney tunes or anything, but there are there are some Disney-esque things in it, you know. It's like the the voice is like I had to sing or like we had someone at work sing. And then I'd auto-tune it and then I'd pitch shift it. So it's like, because it's like a little creature, right? So it's, like a, it's called mm-hmm. a Lumi. It's like a little creature. And so it has like this. How do you spell it? Uh, L-U-M-I-E-S. It's like okay. a Lumi, like lum, Lumination, Lumis. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it has like a, it's like has its voice. It's like very high pitch and cute and bubbly and all that crap. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that was, that was the voice it had, like when it was singing, it was like almost chipmunk-esque, I guess, if you will. So it was a, it was a fun project. And like, I've done a couple other projects like that after that. And then just doing sound design for like some other random toys. Like, it's pretty fun. Like there's another one I did a, the, the song for, uh, for one of the in the play pattern, I forgot what it was. It was just like if you click the nose or some shit, it like plays the song. But it's called a Pomzi. It was like uh, one of our like saving graces for the company. Actually, it was uh, this Pomzi, and it was a uh, it's like a plush toy. It's like a, a little fuck, fucking cat, and then it's got like its head, and then you can hold the nose, and then like it lights up and it purrs, and it does all this crazy thing. And doing some of the sound design on that was pretty pretty fun. But yeah, like. I don't know. It's like a way different thing approach of like like commercial and like product development in in that sense. It's like I think that's probably played a role in like how I approach songwriting too, but because of variables, you know, and like all that it's, stuff. I don't know that you could get any more opposite <laughs> from what you're doing in the band. You know what I mean? Like like 
longer, more involved, more technical, and um, more metal and yeah. everything over the top. Like, definitely not for children in the, I mean, in a certain sense. <laughs> I mean, I think metal's for everybody, but like, whatever. You know, to music specifically written for children with a completely different approach, sh- like very short, like you're saying, a seven second loop, yeah. like a, like, wow. It's it's like crazy. a part of my plan is to turn these kids into death metal lovers <laughs> yeah. to buy my record. <laughs> like, you don't know it now, but when you get older, you're, gonna... you're going to pay for my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, a, that's a long con. <laughs> it's all about the, the long, the long play, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. That's pretty cool to hear about. And, um, I'm very excited to hear both of these albums. I think it'd be funny if you were to take, if you were to do it the other way around, take something that you wrote for the toy <laughs> and put it in the album, almost like a like you're triggering like a like a Russian sleeper agent. You know oh what I mean? Like God. there's a certain phrase, and then they go buy that product, and then they so they hear it and they're just like, "I will buy everything, Zenith Passage. I will yeah. buy your merchandise <laughs> and come to your shows." <laughs> like, <laughs> man, imagine when we get to that point where we can do that. Holy shit. We'll be millionaires. <laughs> we'll be millionaires. I just want to be a hundred air. A hundred air? I'd like to make a hundred dollars, please. <laughs> um, and I set myself back on that by buying a Zenith Passage shirt. Oh, yeah. Which dude. you should also do. Thank you. The, uh, y'all, the, um, yeah, the, um, which one did I get? Uh, it's the I Algorithmic Salvation one, right? The blue it's, or the, the red one? Oh, I wound up buying the red one because the blues, you were, they were at a medium. Oh, and yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, fuck. All right. Oh, so one is one synaptic deprivation artwork. The other one is algorithmic salvation. Oh, artwork. but they're almost this, they're they're very similar. Looking. Yeah, they're very similar. It's that's like what we're doing on these singles is it's like playing a bigger role into like what everything is. So it's like yeah, we're, we're like trying to give everyone blue balls kind of in a way. Yes. So yeah, you're you're building to to something. Yeah, you're only going to give us blue balls if you don't deliver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, right now uh, we're just ripe. Yeah, for more Come music. On. It's funny because like there's like nine minutes of new music now, which is like probably not a lot in five years, but hey, check it out. Nine minutes of music now. We put out this new song. It's six minutes long and, and it's great that this is happening, but people like the first thing they comment is like, where's the album? Where's the, where's album? the album? Where's the album? This is cool, but where's the album? I'm like, dude, just listen to the song. It's like six, <laughs> just take six minutes. Listen to maybe take like an hour, maybe keep it looping. I don't know. <laughs> listen to that, then ask for the album. See if it's what you really want. <laughs> are you sure are you, you want sure more of you this? want more of this because <laughs> well i do for one and um having listened to your band for a long time i think uh, i'm once again very excited to hear where you're gonna go next and i really appreciate you taking the time oh, absolutely to to give us a little a little peek a little sneak peek arena into your process and and your philosophy on the topics as well like how you're thinking about it how you're going what it is that you're going for in different areas like that to me is is what this show is all about um Mm. you know i um i'm here more than anything else to learn Mm. from from the guests and um getting getting a little little peek into your brain is is what i'm here for i like it that other people are also watching um because then i can make a a career out of it but (laughs) but this is for me it's it's for me i want to scan the surface of your brain and send back something that i can use so this was really interesting and um why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find you 
um, you're streaming now also oh, yeah, pretty I'm streaming, often. I'm streaming on Twitch pretty much every Monday and Wednesday. Actually, this Friday, we're um, opening for Trivium, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, Matt, so Matt Heafy's doing a um, stream event because they're on that fucking sick tour with Megadeth and yeah. Lamb of God. And he streams uh, the show, his show, like every every day. Um, or his his yeah. part of it. Yeah, he has like yeah. a whole thing that he does. Oh yeah, and like he, he was our first guest on the podcast. Oh, that's right, uh, episode one. Yeah, that's sick. Um, so he he like I got hit up to like open like the stream for before they he, he starts streaming. So wow, like I'm on it. Chain Brain's on it. Um, who else is on it? Uh, Thong DeLong. I'm not sure if you know like all these streamers. <laughs> like no, like but a uh, guys. that's probably why I'm not uh, as popular as most of them because I don't watch other people's streams. <laughs> uh, Dan, I just do the stupid thing that I do. Yeah, <laughs> Dan Sugarman is doing it too. Dan Sugarman. Oh yeah, doing, that's right. Uh, he's he's going to be playing. Uh, I think at the end of the month. So, so you're. What are you going to be doing? On I'm going to be playing like the Zenith Passage songs. I'm. Not, I okay. think we get like an hour slot or something. So. Wow. Yeah, I'll be playing like Xena songs. I'll maybe play like a faceless song here and there. Um, That's fucking awesome. What time does it start? Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think their show goes on at seven Central time, seven fifteen Central. So I would start at um, what, probably like five, four thirty or five uh, Pacific Standard. So well, yeah, goddamn it, I'm gonna be streaming then. So just fuck raid me. Oh, that's right. You're on. You're on. You're on YouTube. <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying to do both. Um, I just haven't figured out restream yet. We had a problem this past week uh, on Friday, and it anyway. Um, the whole I'll, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. <laughs> um, so what's your? My stream schedule is Monday and Wednesdays, like 7:30, p.m. Pacific Standard. Okay, so you start late. Yeah, because I like I get off work and then I come home and I try to eat and then um, <laughs> yeah. And Nicole, my girlfriend Nicole Papastavru, shout out. She does hey, it Nicole. too. Yeah, hey Nicole. <laughs> she uh, she does it Tuesdays and Thursdays um, because you can't compete with each other. That yeah. Would be bad well, our audience our audience is kind of like the same audience. Like we're all yeah. we always hop in each other's streams anyway. So it's a great community. Twitch is no bro. You don't tr- awesome, you dude. don't cross the streams. Don't cross don't the cross streams, streams, dude. What happens if you cross the streams? You don't want to know. That dude. would be very bad. Yeah, very bad. <laughs> um, what is your Twitch handle? Uh, Justin underscore McKinney. Okay. Because someone has... Some motherfucker. Some motherfucker, dude. <laughs> I had the same problem. Really? Yeah, I had to... For a while, it was Trey Xavier Wrights because I had to... Because um, somebody else got Trey Xavier. And I switched it to Gear God's official. I kind of want to switch it back, actually, <laughs> to Trey Xavier Wrights. I wonder if I can do that. You probably could. You could probably make a separate account and like hold that one for yourself. Oh, yeah. Like So there was a, there's actually a dude named Justin McKinney on Twitch who was just like, you know, never stream. He just had an account. And I, I reached out to him like, hey, dude, do you mind if you like <laughs> switch your name? Because I, I, I was just trying to, I, would, I know we have the same name. Like, oh, that's cool. But can you change your name so I can take this for, for what I'm doing? And like, just like if, you know, like if it's cool with you, if you're not, you're really using it. Um, and he's like, yeah, no problem. And then like, I was like, cool, I can take it. But then it's like a three, four month waiting period until you can take oh, wow. take that handle, I guess. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try to do it again and try to change my yeah. name to that. Also, my Instagram is the same way. It's like, I can't get my name. So it's like, shit, I'm stuck with this, this handle. This motherfucker now. got yeah. all the good ones. Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, so... Can we uh, so fo- follow the Zenith passage and Justin on all appropriate yeah. things? You, you know how to find them. Any just, just type Google in the Zenith shit. passage. Yeah, and just find it. We're, we're everywhere on Bandcamp. You know, Spotify. You know, Walmart. Whatever. <laughs> LimeWire. LimeWire. Yeah. BearShare. Um, so. Um, and you'll more than anything else do it so that you can find out upcoming release dates yeah. for this stuff. 
um, that, also, so that we don't get blue balled. Uh-huh. Also, we have uh, we're we're a part of a much larger tour happening at oh, uh, yes. in May with Rivers and Nile, Fallujah, Alluvial, and Warforged, and we'll be on the California dates. Uh, we only unfortunately got to get on four of them, but that's fine. We're playing shows. Stoked to be a part of it. But yeah, that tour, if it's coming near you, it's Rivers of Nile, uh, Fallujah, Alluvial, Warforge. It's a fucking sick, sick tour, and we're glad to be a part of it on the California date. So May 24th to the May 27th is when we're going to be on those dates, and you all should go. Sweet, dude. Be very fun. I'll be there. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dude. I'll lie. All right. Well, thank you all so much for watching. Um, if you haven't already, be sure to check out howsongsaremadepodcast.com where you can get... I'm staring directly into the camera like a psycho. Don't um, break the fourth wall. All of these episodes are uh, streaming. All of the all past episodes. Um, I, I release new ones every Wednesday. This will be uh, an audio episode for regular podcast consumption very soon. Oh, nice. Um, we'll, I'll let you know when that when that happens. It's sort of like a roll yeah yeah schedule you know what i mean so but uh all past episodes as well as you can find the playlist for all of these live streams um on the front page of the gear gods youtube channel and there is merch available for how songs are made i just have a new brand new one you can check this out this is my greater than i'm so glad you got it (laughs) a lot of people are like songs carrot songs this way it's, it's songs are greater than all right anything just greater greater than you is what um, you're saying yeah it, songs greater, are greater, than, than, greater than, than my left nipple um <laughs> or whatever but uh, i just got this one the other day and i think it thinks so. you know, i got a, a red one to stick out against the background hell yeah dude um i think it's working out pretty good so um i spotted anyway, you a mile away but well, yeah you did came out like, oh yeah. there's trey oh there he is <laughs> and uh red doesn't really look good on me because i'm a very red person already and it just brings you're, out the red in my glowing, face man. i'm glowing <laughs> um yeah you can see me from fucking orbit <laughs> um <laughs> but uh check out, out all that stuff and if you're interested in learning how to write songs uh you're definitely going to want to check out my course which is called complete rock and metal songwriting there's a link in the description as well and also uh there's i have a free course called this seven day rift song challenge in which i help you go from having just a riff to writing a complete song in seven days and you can find the link to that in the description as well sign up for that it's completely free and super fun i've had uh, uh i think close to a thousand people sign up oh, nice. and finish songs which guitar players are infamously bad at (laughs) uh, myself included so thanks you guys all so much for watching and um we'll see you next week my guest next week you're definitely gonna want to check in check in check in dude check check right on in my guest next week is gonna be plenty oh that's great he will also be here in real life all the way from australia if you can believe it he flew out just for this we'll pretend that that's true so uh set your schedules i do this every single monday every week 11 a.m pst you will see me standing here with somebody else who is taller and better looking than me every time same three in a fucking row at least is plenty tall uh plenty is tall he's very tall wow um you gotta get yeah. someone shorter than you. Or you check, they're just like this. Shorter, balder, fatter, <laughs> and less good at music. And so far, that has not been the case. I'm only bringing on <laughs> superior people. <laughs> Fuck! Okay. Thanks so much, guys. I will see you all on the flippin' floppy. Flippy floppy. Bye bye. Later, y'all.